All right, everybody, it's me, George Becknell, and I'm back with another episode of the Highly Opinionated Podcast. I got a special guest with me, former cornerback, Super Bowl champion, Mike McKenzie, and we're going to talk about his 34 Ways Foundation. We're going to talk about his career, his draft experience, his time in Green Bay and New Orleans, and of course, we got to talk about the New Orleans Saints. So hang tight and enjoy this episode. everybody i am back with another episode of the highly opinionated podcast and look and if you haven't done so yet please hit subscribe and share these episodes with a friend but i got a special guest this week uh and i'm introducing right now i got one mike mckenzie you know former nfl cornerback super bowl champion with the new orleans saints mike what's going on brother how you doing What's good? What's good, man? Glad to glad to be on. Don't leave out my Green Bay Packers, man. That's why I got drafted. Oh so, yeah, man. You, know you, you can't forget about the cheese heads, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I ain't gonna let you leave them out. You, you can't you can't forget about the cheese heads, man. Most most of my audience is, is is Saints fans, but you know you gotta gotta pay homage to uh, to where the Lombardi Trophy started. So I got you. There brother. you go, the best Lombardi Trophy, baby. That's that's what they all playing the game for. A- absolutely, man. So. uh so before we kind of get started with everything, Mike, what have, what have you been up to in this new normal, man? How how you been making it in this quarantine? I'm just rationing out time, man. It's good to have you know your family at home, kids at home, um, and so just staying on top of them, giving them you know some boundaries and respects to you know them not having to go to school and being out of school for a period of time. You know, they got a little carried away in respects to, you know, having that time parameter of the weekends. You know, you got to go to school. So, um, it's been a lot of adjustments. Yeah, man, a- absolutely. So, something that you've been uh, that you've been working on, you know, lately is this 34 Ways Foundation. Um, How has that been affected by the, by the COVID-19? Well, naturally, the... Big groups that we support um, are, you know, school teachers, coaches, and being able to, you know, engage with the student body, um, whether it's health and wellness or, you know, symposiums. So um, just the dynamics have changed, certainly because of the groups that we work with are usually larger groups of individuals and kids at that. Um, with school and churches and all those organizations that we would normally uh, meet up to engage um, students, it certainly has changed the dynamics of it all. Okay, so you know, what what made you start this foundation? Where where was that idea come? From? Where where did that idea come from? Well, the Thirty Four Ways Foundation is it's a youth based organization. Uh, our motto is teaching, reaching and educating youth. Um, I'm a product of South Florida 
and uh, I'm a big product of youth groups, uh, church groups, parks and recreation. And so all those things that um, greatly benefited myself as a child, um, I think it's important that uh, every uh, community um, has uh, organizations that they can rely on for um, different community engagements. And so that's a big thing for us, any communities that we've lived in over the years from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, uh, my hometown being Miami, Florida, my college town being Memphis. Um, you know, we make efforts to continue to influence young people and just being a, you know, a glimmer of light of what can be, you know, with, with focus and dedication and, you know, just aspiring to um, have a mindset of, you know, not quitting, not giving up and, you know, going against all obstacles. You know, that's really what 34 Ways is about regardless to what opportunities uh, might elude you or might close, get a closed door, there's always another opportunity around the corner. So we encourage young kids to just think big, dream big, and uh, never give up hope. Nah, man, hey, I applaud you. You know, there's a lot of times where sometimes you just got to be able to be an example for a kid and, and, set, them, and set them a vision, man. So I appreciate the work that you're doing, man. Keep up the good work. Yeah, man. I mean, it helps. Uh, like I said, in this day and age now, man, I have to be more astute to uh, all of the online mechanisms that they have now. I had a meeting last week um, with um, that was captured on Zoom, and I, I didn't re really know exactly what I had to do in respects to downloading it. And, and so uh, it's creating more learning opportunities in respects to um, technology and the Internet. You know, my my kids love the whole TikTok deal, so um, <laughs> I'm having an opportunity to uh, see them connect by way of engaging, uh, by way of that TikTok app. So it's one of those things that, uh, you know, kids being at home uh, is something different. Um, having an opportunity to spend more quality time with family um, has certainly been a plus. Oh, man, absolutely, man. So I'm waiting... I'm gonna be waiting for that uh, Mike McKenzie TikTok video, man. You've been uh, you've been man, participating. Man, you better keep in on waiting, bro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, keep on man. waiting. Keep on waiting. It's coming. It's coming. I got you, man. So I'm gonna shift gears a little bit because you know you brought up the Zoom videos and the, and the TikTok and the technology uh, in this new time. We had an NFL draft this year that. Uh, that was virtual, man. Did did you sit down and watch that, man? What did you think about that? Um, I I, I, I saw little glimpses of it. Um, at the end of the day, the draft is a formality. It's a process. Um, it's it's, it's subjective in, in in respects to how you know the talented is graded and everything else. So I mean, the proof for me is always in the pudding. Once that process is done, and teams, you know, narrow down to their you know fifty three man roster. Then you you know then you're able to see what's what. So it's a process. I mean, um, every year during draft time, I get super excited. Uh, I, I recall being drafted back in '99 myself on a birthday weekend. Okay. And so every year, you know, when I hear draft and I see the draft, it brings me back to you know a real special time in my life when I was drafted. So I get an opportunity to you know relive those moments with you know those young folks that's uh, you know having that opportunity to. Um, go from a collegiate level to a professional level. Um, it's something special, and to you know, certainly have that opportunity um, is something unique. And 
you know, it's uh, life changing. Okay. All right. Well, talk. Well, let's 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 dive into that experience for you. Um, you know, you were drafted in the third round by your cheeseheads, your Green Bay Packers. Uh, you know, you you come you came from Memphis, you know, which wasn't a power five school, but you still managed <laughs> to be a early draft pick in the third round, man. So talk about that experience for me. Um, I mean, it was an interesting experience, um, to be frank. Um, I came out of school early. I didn't, um, you know, play my four years um, on the college level. And so just not going, and, not, and I wasn't actually invited to the uh, combine, so I didn't go to the combine. So um, it was really more so about game tape and my personal workouts. And so I do feel, you know, um, I don't want to say sorry for those that didn't have an opportunity to truly, you know, put their best foot out there as far as this past year draft without, you know, having those personal workouts. They do sometimes make, you know, I won't say break a player, but uh, certainly there's opportunities for, you know, players to jump up on uh, others' radar when you have a, a real good workout. And, you know, for me personally, I knew I had some good workouts in college, but you never know until your name is called. And so, you know, once your name is called, um, that journey begins for me. I was in Memphis. Uh, you know, I I had a projection of anywhere from, you know, first through third. And so not knowing you don't want to really, you know, be tied down to thinking about it when you're not sure exactly where you're going to go. So I know for, you know, myself, you know, I made it just a, a normal Saturday, you know, just did all the things that I would normally, you know, do and hung out with my, my, my boys. And, you know, I got the call from, uh, at that time it was, uh, Ray Rhodes was the head coach and, um, Ron Wolf was the general manager. And, and so I, I received that call and it was, uh, it was life changing from that moment on. No, absolutely, man. And uh, that was that was a pretty good Packers team, if I remember correctly. I know Brett Favre was still playing quarterback down there. Um, Y'all were good for a while, man. And, you know, you came in, you know, you were a rookie, and you were a starter immediately, man. You must have had a hell of a training camp in preseason that year. Well, um, I was, I was uh, the third of three cornerbacks drafted by the Green Bay Packers that year uh with Ron Wolf so um it was it was certainly competition from the onset you know when you got when you draft when you <laughs> when your team drafts a first rounder on a cornerback a second rounder on a cornerback and a third rounder on a cornerback you know it's some opportunity uh that's there so uh certainly knew that coming into it and it was really just about having an opportunity to go out there and compete and um Fortunate thing for myself, I was able to, you know, win out the job. Nah, man, you absolutely did, man. And I guess I guess that's life with Randy Moss in your division where you take your first three rounds, you're taking the court, uh, cornerback, huh? Well, and, and, and Randy, um, you know, big, big congrats to Randy going into um, the Hall of Fame. Well-deserved first ballot you know, Hall of Famer, and he's the type of player that, you know, makes, you know, general managers, coaches, and defensive coordinators have nightmares, and, you know, it was certainly uh, after that rookie sensational year that he had shredded the lead, um, it was big for the Packers to try to be able to uh, slow him down, so in Green Bay, it was certainly called the, the Randy Moss draft, 
because um, <laughs> it was a situation where they knew, hey, you didn't stand a chance to, you know, compete for a Super Bowl if you couldn't, um, if you can't win your division, if you can't beat the teams in your division. So um, that was a, you know, a statement, no doubt about it, it was a big statement by the Packers. Oh yeah, man, I I would agree with that, man. Because back then, what you had, you had three divisions, and uh. You had three wild cards, so you could make the wild card, but you pretty much guaranteed to go on the road the whole time. If you don't win that division, that's not, and that's not what you want to do in the NFL playoffs. Well, and, and like I said, it was a different time having a chance to be drafted by the Green Bay Packers and um, having um, to play with the likes of Hall of Famers like you, Brett Favre's, and. Um, to be around the players um, at that time, God bless his soul, Reggie White. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, the Leroy Butlers and, you know, just tons of quality players to come into the league in that type of situation. Um, they have been fresh off of um, a couple of deep runs in the playoffs, two years removed from a Super Bowl loss, three years removed from a, a Super Bowl win. And so, um, you know, the esteem and the quality around the organization was very high. It was very, you know, it was always Super Bowl or bust. Absolutely. And so to come into the lead um, with those type of demands, presence, and with those type of um, individuals uh, competing certainly uh, uh, made it a, a very, a very situation for myself where it was like you couldn't do nothing but learn. Okay. And learn fast. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so what's your, what's your biggest takeaway from being in Green Bay at that point in your career? Um, a kid from Miami, I think it probably was best for me uh, personally because uh, if I would have been, for say maybe in New Orleans, um, it, it might have been something totally different. Just being a younger player in a in a city um, that's culturally diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly would have made a difference as far as uh, personally. As far as the player, um, you know, just playing uh, in the elements in Green Bay certainly um, is something different from, you know, being in the comforts of the Superdome. Right. And so it was a certain amount of edge, I said, that came with, um, you know, playing with the Packers and the mystique of the organization and the style of characters that I had opportunity to, you know, come up in the game. You can't take those things for granted, that experience of, of having those uh, camaraderie with those type of figures. Man. That, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Uh, you, you you definitely got to play with legends real, real early. Um, and, yeah, I can imagine. I've never been to Lambeau Field, but – I've been in the Superdome plenty, and the temperature's always right in the Superdome. <laughs> Man, New Orleans is the perfect ideal place for a football fan, and I'm 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 overly. I tell people that's the complete contrast in respect to what you have to deal with as a Packer fan, and the elements, and what you have to deal with uh, the luxury that you have as a New Orleans Saints fan coming into uh, the fine accommodations of the Mercedes-Benz Super, uh, Superdome. Man, I, I would imagine, man. I, I I almost went to Lambeau. I think LSU played Wisconsin in Lambeau maybe like around 2016, something like that. And I almost made the trip, man. But 
it was like I don't think that that's an attractive place to go sit down and watch a game. Like outside of the outside of the Mystica, like okay, this is where Lombardi coach. This is with Bart Starr and the Ice Bowl and Brett Favre. Well, and Aaron I, yeah, I don't think it carries the same mystique if you're not going to see the Packers play. No, uh, going point. to see a college team in the Packers stadium, I, 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 it doesn't have the same nostalgia of it all. Uh, it's something to be there, you know, in late November, October, when the elements, I mean, to me, that's, um, that's truly what Packer football is about, the elements. And so... Um, you know, when I think Packers, I think about the old throwback games and, you know, the ice bowl and, yeah. you know, stuff of, stuff of that nature. So it comes with the territory. Okay. Okay. So, so you know, you, you, you go from there and you come to New Orleans, which, you know, I'm going to quote you, the best place as a football fan to be. Um, you come to New Orleans and things are a little bit different. You go from, you go from Brett Favre, you know, the historic – historic franchise to the Saints. And the Saints at that time, you know, Jim Haslett was the coach. Um, they had talent on the football team, but it wasn't it, it wasn't what it is now. Talk about that experience. Because I remember when you got signed, and I was excited because I hadn't seen the shutdown corner since, like, Eric Allen in New Orleans. So, so talk about that experience in the early New Orleans era for you. Um, really, it was just a, a lot of excitement for me. It was a new opportunity. I ran my course uh, in Green Bay. The culture around um, at that point in time was the head coach, um, general manager, Sherman. We didn't really um, see eye to eye and, re and reference nothing football related. It was just one of those things. Our time had, had arrived and a new opportunity, you know, presented itself. Um, by way of uh, New Orleans tr making a trade for me. So upon getting to New Orleans, man, I was just happy to be in the South. Um, I was happy to be closer to home. Um, and I was really just excited. I didn't know really um, much per se about, um, you know, a lot of the players. Um, Aaron Brooks at that time uh, had been traded previously um, from, from Green Bay to right. New Orleans, and yeah. we was a part of the same draft class. So um, I was very familiar with with Aaron. We, you know, we had been teammates. You know, for maybe one and a half, two years. Uh, him prior to him being traded, and so uh, so that was a that was a plus. You know what I mean? So I did know uh, a few people, and you know, from there it was really just a matter of you know make it to the city, make the adjustments, and you know try to be a um, a model citizen and have a positive impact on the game. Man, and, and that you did. I was always impressed with your professionalism and what you brought to the team. But, uh, you know, let, let's talk, let's dive into those years right quick because I feel like some of those Saints teams, you know, especially Aaron Brooks, to me, Aaron Brooks is very, very underrated and very, very, you know, underloved as a Saints player. Um, because of the last year or so. But I thought he was a very good quarterback, and I thought that team was very, very talented. We just weren't able to put it together before Sean Payton got to town. But I, I think that that team is very, very under uh, underappreciated. What do you think? Um, I would agree with that. I mean, Aaron Brooks, like I said, him being a part of the draft class in Green Bay in 99 and um, – 
me knowing him personally, I was real happy for him to have an opportunity to, you know, advance his uh, career because it was understood that, I mean, it was going to be difficult in Green Bay with, with Brett Favre. And nevertheless, we also had uh, uh, Matt Hasselback over there as well, which I believe he had, uh, you know, beat out at that time. But, you know, it was one of those deals where we was – we was loaded in Green Bay at the quarterback position. So to see him have a, uh, a opportunity um, in New Orleans um, that already had established um, uh, with the African American quarterback, um, it just looked like a real a real good situation to be frank. So I was like, you know, that was, you know, that was a real plus. But once I made it, you know, to the city and. Um, you know, was reunited with him. He, he told me a lot of the stuff that was, you know, going on with the, in, within the city and how, you know, it was, it, it didn't seem as though it was a ride or die situation, a lot of turmoil within, you know, the coaching staff or not, a, not enough cohesiveness um, between management, the coaching staff, players. And um, that's one thing that I can say in respects to when Sean Payton um, joined the team, just the amount of cohesiveness between um, the coaching staff and management and uh, them, uh, you know, basically making the decisions on the players that they felt was the best for the team. Because we did have, uh, in the Hazlitt years when I was there, uh, we had a lot of quality players. Um, we just had a lot of personalities that really just didn't mesh. And um, at that point in time, Katrina hit, um, you know, the following season, my, actually, my first full season with the team was the year of, of Katrina. And so that was really a lot to, you know, of, overcome in a short in a short period of time. And so I think obviously the organization, you know, wanted to come back to the city um, with a new splash, a new attitude. Um, and, and shoot, there's no question that's that's what happened. Man, I- I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I do think, you know, I think that team, you know, pre-Katrina had a lot of talent on it and maybe, you know, I, I, it was obvious that that they wasn't really cohesive from, from a fan perspective. But, man, talk about that Katrina year. That had to be unreal for, for you guys as a team, man, because obviously the people of New Orleans were displaced. You know, a lot of people – you know, couldn't find family members. They lost lives, so God bless them. But as a football team, y'all was just on the road. Like y'all were like nomads, man. How how was how was that experience for you? Um, it was a it was it was a very unique experience. It, it kind of almost brought me back to the days of being on a collegiate level. Um, you know, because we were removed from you know our, our home domicile for me i was new to the city so i you know i wasn't really adjusted to being in new orleans so uh i know for the other players that was you know much more um established uh back in new orleans it was a little more troubling for them uh-huh. um, but naturally just the fact of the devastation and um you know just having the, the, the feeling of uh, not knowing the uncertainty behind everything um, that was going on at that time made it, you know, it made it very, you know, troubling because sports was the last thing that you actually wanted to think about when you think about, you know, lives that were, you know, potentially lost, the amount of people that was being stranded, and just the conditions of, um, you know, your fan base, the supporters, 
the community, you know, back in your hometown of, of, of New Orleans. And so it was a situation that was, uh, you know, it was very difficult because your mind was always somewhere else, regardless to, um, as a professional, you know, you try to put all things aside, but um, it, it came a point where, you know, it really wasn't important and you was really more concerned with, you know, people's well-being. Now, absolutely, man. I think I think a lot of people forget that football players are humans too, and and they just expect people to perform under no matter what, no no matter what the circumstances are. And to me, that's just not really fair. But uh, you know, so you went through that Katrina year, but you know, talk about that reopening of the Superdome. You were on the team, you were there. Talk about what you what you felt that night and 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 how it felt, especially when Steve Gleason blocked that kick. I mean, it was a, it was a very it was a special time. I mean, just to be back um, and just you just knew what efforts went in for um, the team to make it back, for the city to get the dome prepared, for the fans that came in. Everyone had a story of what it took for them to even make it back to the city, and it was really just a, a very special um, moment in time that everyone you know would always remember because it was like. There was talks of the team potentially, you know, being relocated, and so just to have that moment of the team being back, uh, you know, new coach, uh, new quarterback, you know, fresh draft picks. Um, let's see, you know, it was just a, it was filled with a lot of uh, optimistic and uh, promise, you know, a promise of a brighter future, and so I think a lot, you know, was riding on it on the fact that hey, our team is back. And, you know, we can't do it. We can't rebuild. So I think it was no question about it. That was a very special night. And that, you know, that was the beginning of, a, a you know, the true dynasty that you kind of see as far as the turning of the winning ways that the Saints have continued to do, you know, in the last, you know, decade or so. Nah, man, I couldn't agree with you more. Because, uh, you know, as a fan, it felt like something was different. You know, um, you mentioned – you mentioned, you know, Sean Payton come in, Drew Brees come in, and you you said you felt more cohesion in the locker room, you know, because I felt like the teams that you were on previously in New Orleans was just as talented, if not more talented than some of those teams, but yet something was different. Was there anything else different for you other than the cohesion? Um, I mean, there was a lot of different players. I mean, that you know, we had veterans, we had young guys, uh, you know, we had guys that have been, you know, traded. And it was just a great group that ultimately came together. Um, you know, I remember that first season. It was just one of those things that everything was just so new. And um, it's just like, you know, when you're dating, you know, someone for the first time, you just you just don't know. It's that excitement of, you know, wanting to go out there, you know, wanting to show, you know, why it is that you're, you know, a part of this team. And, you know, everyone went out there from from week to week with something to prove. Okay, hey, that's hey, that's real, and and it, and it showed, man. So we go fast forward a couple of years. Um, you know, it's two thousand nine. You're not on the team, but there's a couple injuries in the secondary, and you find yourself back on the team, man. Can can you tell that story on how you got back on the team? I mean, the biggest thing at that time, um, you know, being, you know, an ultimate pro, um, I want to say it was 
the 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 07 season, I had a very serious knee injury, and um, you know, I was fortunate enough to you know rehab, come back, you know, make it uh make it back that uh 08 season. Um, 08 season, I missed maybe the first two games, came back pretty strong that 08 season, but uh in Atlanta, um, I suffered um, a broke patella. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Atlanta Falcons game. And so, 08, um, you know, this back-to-back years with serious knee injuries, um, potentially career-ending injuries. And so, you know, I go into the offseason just understanding the type of work and effort and dedication that you got to put in, not only for, for coming back from an injury, but coming back from the second injury on the same knee for a cornerback. That's, that's tough. That's and so that's one of those things that's almost, I'm sure, as general managers and folks look at it, you know, that's like a, that's a death sentence. You're over. So nevertheless, you know, March came and, you know, the Saints decided to go in another direction. It was like, you know, McKenzie, man, he's, he's I mean, he got a broke kneecap. He's, you know what I mean? He's, he's right. out of it. So I was released. And nevertheless, you know, I just continue to work out and, you know, rehab and, rehabilitate my knee and continue to work uh obviously you know staying in tune to you know everything that's going on in the nfl and then you know the season kicks off you know i'm still um you know unsigned and you know i'm i'm watching one of the greatest seasons ever i'm actually you know i'm at the games i'm going to the games and you know i'm continuing to work work out and still, you know, kind of stay prepared. But then, you know, about two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, I'm like, okay, well, man, these guys are loaded. You know, eight, eight and oh, nine and oh. I'm like, man, it's probably one of the, you know, the best seasons of all time. And the injuries at that, at the cornerback position continue to uh, pile up. I seen um, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis started to, uh, get on the waiver wire and they started to work bringing in, you know, other cornerbacks and stuff. And so, you know, I put a call in and I told them, Hey man, I'm, 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 I'm well enough that I could, you know, come on out there and, you know, contribute. And so, you know, they brought me in for a workout and man, the rest was history from that, from that point. Once I, you know, came out and got the little workout in, um, I was back in action. Yeah, man, I, I remember some big plays you made that season, man. And honestly, I don't think the Saints are in the position they were in had you not been able to come in and and contribute because, you know, they finished the season 13-3. Um, they went 13-0, and 0, um, which were, which you were a big part of those those last few games that they won. But the Vikings finished the season 12-4. and 4. Home field was in the air, and, like, had you not been able to come in and contribute, you know, holes in that secondary, they might have not gotten it done. So, great contribu- uh, contribution from you, my brother. Like, good stuff. Well, I certainly appreciate that. But, like I said, it was one of those things that when you look back at the season, it took more than just a 53-man typical roster. It, it took a lot of additional guys. There was a lot of moves that was made throughout that season. There was a lot of guys that kind of contributed. There was a lot of guys that was pang- banged up. And You know, uh, I tell people, man, a lot of things got to happen right for you to ultimately, you know, win a championship. 
And um, I think over the last few years, we've seen some real good Saints team with a lot of great talent um, and just not being able to, you know, get over the hump or have that breakthrough or whatever the case, because, man, it takes a lot. You know what I'm saying? And it's not, it's never going to just come down to a Sean Payton and a Drew Brees. It's always going to be a collection of, you know, a 53-man roster that's, you know, going out there and um, competing offensively, defensively, and special teams-wise. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more, man. You know, because there's a bunch of guys on that team, man. You know, especially when they were making those runs, there was a bunch of undrafted guys a bunch of late-round draft picks that really made big plays and were really key contributors for the Saints, you know. I think, uh, you know, to your point, it does take more than the Drew Brees and the Sean Payton. You know, it, it's a lot of guys that got to come in and do their job and make plays to make a team successful. Because if you look around the league, you may have a couple of teams without like a bona fide star, but you got great players on every team. And I think those – the able the ability of the organization to balance people, scout talent, and have those other guys in a situation like you were in, you were you were able to reach out, get a veteran who could come in and contribute past the fifty three. So I couldn't agree with you more. Well, and as you can see in this twenty twenty year, man, you see guys like Malcolm Jenkins, um, you know, joining the team back, and you know, just trying to—they always do a pretty good job of having young and um, veteran guys uh, in the mix over the last few years. And I, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that uh, the Saints have been looking dead on on paper. You know what I mean? You you're expecting them to get to be there, and it's just one of those things that I hate to say it is. You know, I, I don't want to see the Saints until the postseason comes because they have shown uh, they're at the level of competing week in and week out. So, it, you know, 10 to 11 wins is like one of those that you come to, to expect, you know, from the Saints. And it's one of those situations that is like now is like if they're serious about winning, they need to have the home field advantage. And so I think that's something that, um, because it's a dome team and the amount of games that's played inside with one also being played in Atlanta, that's nine games in a controlled environment. Um, yeah, at least. You know, that's you know that's, that's something to be said about that for, you know, field position, quarterback, playing condition. Um, that makes a difference. Yeah, you're right because, uh, you know, I've been a Saints fan for a long time. I watched a lot of games. That team looked different in the cold. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's no question about it. To go on the road and, and, and have to get a win. I think that first season um, in 06, in playing in that NFC championship game, I think um, we showed collectively as a team that, you know, the Saints really was back. And, you know, Sean Payton and his Drew Brees combination, um, you know, could do something. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's 14 years ago. You would have thought that uh, would have amassed more than one Super Bowl, to be frank. It, I mean, because the teams, it's been a lot of real good teams in there that um, Sean Payton and Drew Brees have had, especially in the last four to five years. I mean, to, to come out of that without a Super Bowl, it's tough for a Saints fan. I'm like, you know, um, it's it's a Super Bowl of bust now. Absolutely, man. You talk about the last couple of years, 
and you know, it, it's it's football. You know, football to me, the NFL is the greatest league on earth in the sense that it's ultimate parity. Like a team could go from winning four or five games one year to winning ten games another year. That's what makes thing, people like the Patriots so like dynamic because they was able to keep it together so long. And if you look at the Saints, what the Saints have been able to accomplish over the last three years and, and having re- three real tough playoff losses to where they could have won the Super Bowl all three of those years and it wouldn't be a stretch to say that. How long do you think this window of opportunities will be open? Um, well, you can clearly see with Drew Brees at the helm, the team is always uh, in good standing. And it's one of those things that, uh, you know, Sean Payton and, and Mickey Loomis are constantly juggling because of just the sheer um, amount of offense that comes from this one individual. And so it's it's one of those things that, you got to continue, man. You got you got a shot. Once you, if you got Drew back there, you got a shot. And it takes more than that. It takes a stellar defense. It takes quality play calling. It, I mean, it takes it takes a lot. You know what I mean? But you got to get to those situations when when it comes down to that. So I mean, you got to make it to to the to the playoffs. You got to make it to the playoffs. To, to get down to those situations where you're a player two away or, or you know, you could say, man, we was a player or two away. Or maybe it's just a play. Maybe it's just a, a call. So it's one of those things that you got to do a lot of work just to get back to this defining moment that, you know, determines whether or not you're going on to the next round of the playoffs or you're on your way to the NFC championship game. And so it is a game of bounces and you just know you got a legitimate shot when you got Drew behind the L. Uh, you just know you got a real legitimate shot to be um, playing for it all at the end. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I agree. You know, I, I look at that. Uh, I look at this roster, and uh, obviously Drew Brees is first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, I, I don't know how long he can he can get it done for. You know, because Father Time is undefeated, but I feel like. With him at quarterback this year, they have a shot. I, I like what they did in the draft. Uh, you know, even though it wasn't an exciting draft, I thought they they did good with Ruiz in the middle to keep that pressure off of him in the middle. As you saw in that playoff game against the Vikings, they had a lot of pressure up the middle. Um, you know, so they, they addressed a lot of needs. They went out and they signed Jameis Winston to be Drew's backup. They gave Taysom Hill a bunch of money. They also brought in Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I think they kind of plugged all the holes. So with a more challenging NFC South, you know, you got Tom Brady, Gronkowski, and all those receivers down there in Tampa. You got the Falcons who've been talented, but you never know what's up with them. They might win 12 games one year. They might win four four games the next year. And uh, Carolina's making some moves. So can the Saints realistically win – 12, 11, uh, 11, 12 games <laughs> this year in that hard division? Well, there's a lot, you know, to be determined. And um, the Saints is certainly one of the teams that greatly benefits from home games. Oh, and yes. so uh, 
that's an element that you know once you take the element of the fans out of sports you know it, i don't want to say it changes the integrity of it but it is something that you you can't take lightly i don't take lightly because i know a lot rise with the momentum of the fan and the fan voice and the cheers goes a long way and so if you don't have that element you know what I mean? Like like in the Super Bowl games, it, it's always, you know, it's some fans there, but it's nothing like a home game. And so when you don't have that element, uh, I think that's one of the biggest advantages that the Saints have had over, you know, over the last decade. It's playing in the Superdome is extremely, extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. You got to be razor sharp as an offense, as a quarterback. Um, defense, you got to be prepared for that fast-paced offense, and so it's a real juggernaut to get a win in the in the Superdome. Yeah, man, I, I I've been in a few different stadiums. Obviously, I haven't played like you have, but it, it's just you know, and I and I try not to be a homer and be objective about things. You know, there's I've been in a lot nicer stadiums, right? But it's just something different about that 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 electricity in the superdome like they, they, like you can't duplicate it and that helps well the, the fan experience and that's what you're talking about the fan experience i mean it's just you know it's i mean i'm sure it's that way in a lot of cities like i know for sure it was that way in green bay it was very cultish but in new orleans i mean it is a true ride or die in louisiana folks really do you know, kind of root for that team to the point of, you know, hey, if that if it wasn't a win, you know, that Monday is a little gloomy around town and everybody is, you know, playing that Monday that Monday quarterback situation or what else and this, that, and the other. But, hey, man, that's a part of being a diehard fan. You ride with your team. You ride and die with your team. Okay. I mean, that's real, man. So I, I'm going to get you off the hot seat, man. We're going to stop talking about the Saints. But before I let you go, a um, couple of things. Number one, I need you to tell the people where to find your foundation and uh, how to donate. Um, you could go online to www.34waysfoundation.com or .org. Um, you can see all the you know upcoming events that we have going on. We do a lot of fun stuff in communities. Uh, last year, we took a group of kids. Um, 25 kids or so to the NFL draft. Um, we do a lot of literacy programs, and so it's just a, it's just a way for us to stay connected to the community um, and find ways to support young people. So that's 34waysfoundation.org. Good deal, Mike. You know, you got any social media where where the people can find you? Man, I got all that stuff, man, but I ain't in tune to it all, man. I, 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 if, you, I, if you're looking for information on me, man, at 34 Ways Foundation, that's your best That's your best shot. I ain't in the, I ain't in the all that uh, Instagram and this, that, and the other. Okay. I'm on the sideline. I'm on the sideline when it comes to that. I feel you. I feel you. Last question. I need some type of, uh, of inside activity, whether it's a, a good read or whether it's a good Netflix show. I need I need a recommendation from you. Oh, let's see. Oh man, what I've been watching that's been pretty good. Oh man, um, let me see. I'm not sure if it was a Netflix uh, joint. Um, it was called The Bank. It was a uh, The Bank. 
that was one of the last movies that I looked at with the little um, the Mackie brother in it, him and um, Samuel Jackson. Okay. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty good one. Uh, I, that that would be one that that would be one that you uh, that you would enjoy. All right, I'm gonna go check that out. Well, well, Mike, I greatly appreciate you for your time, brother. Hey, I enjoyed this, man. We got to do this again. Man, anytime, man. Just hit me up, man. Keep it up. Good deal, man. Thank you so much. All right, take care, man. You have a good one. All right, you too. All right, that was Mike McKenzie, everybody. Look, go ahead, hit that subscribe button, and share this episode with a friend. We will be back next time, and we are out.